Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 418. This is your guide to the geek side, and I am one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra, from beautiful, savage, and still snowy Minnesota. And joined by... The man who's interrupting me, Charlie Carden, the it's interrupter. <laughs> Interrupt, interrupticus uh, Rex. Now uh, I'm highlighting my studio because I, this is the first, not the maybe the first time I've done this show that I'm in my beautiful new space with my beautiful, very not yet done background. The other side of what's over here is not done, but this is all done, which I'm very excited about. So yay! Good to be back, back from the cruise, Star Trek cruise. They had their own theme song, so it's stuck in your brain for. Oh God. Oh, my God. Extra, if you ever get the chance, a cruise is five vacations in one with no stress because you don't you don't have to. Once you're on the ship, you don't have to be anywhere. You don't have to travel to get anywhere. You just walk. Walking is for most people easy. The, you can get food whenever you want. There's and with this, it was like it was a it was a Star Trek con because there was programming and variety shows and comedy shows and karaoke and trivia, which April and I won twice uh, of the four trivias they did. I won two of them. <laughs> it was just it was fantastic. And we're going all to those years it. of Star Trek watching Charlie I'm finally paid off. You, I did. I get we got we got two two backpacks out of it and calendars and some books and stuff. And so yeah, those were the prizes. But yeah, it was an amazing time. Uh, if you're a trekker and you want to know more about the cruise, hit me up on Twitter at the C3. I'll tell you all about it. Yeah, and I will be doing the exact opposite, Charlie. I will be going to Europe with approximately 150 students for my son's European music tour. Also, the choir is going to. Um, but I am the tag along groupie, so I'll just be following that group along. I'm not staying at the same hotel. I'm on different flights. It's going to be the weirdest family vacation ever. I, I just I, I've been scratching my head about that, but you know what? As you always say to me, you do you. It just it seems weird, but you are in Europe. Uh, I've never. I've well, I'm not a chaperone. If I can't be a chaperone i i either don't go on the trip or i do it this way so right. you know yeah. yeah so yeah so you're the you're gonna be the guy in the back with the sign Woo! <laughs> pretty much yeah we will connect with the with 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 the kids and and right. the chaperones throughout the trip every day essentially with all the meals and things like that which is nice right. but yeah it, it, but if that one is going to be you are scheduled from like 6 30 in the morning until like 9 30 at night Oh, Every my night. That does yes. not actually sound like a lot of fun. But whatever, you're in Europe. I've only ever been to the UK. It's, Ireland, it's the really, best so, way to yeah. knock out all those places. If you don't do yeah. it that way, you'll see like two things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like, you know, in America where it's like uh, I woke up this morning driving in Texas and it's six o'clock and I'm still driving in Texas. You know, when you're in Europe, exactly. you go to different places because they're all close by. But anyway, exactly. we should move along by giving some love to our Patreons. Oh, my goodness. And, and it's on the grow. You know, the word is catching on. I no, I'm not trying to oversaturate on my, my personal social media. I have a, a schedule when we do it every two or three weeks that I put a shout out there, which I did this morning. But the friend zone. But these are these are our entry level patrons. Uh, patrons. So uh, thank you for joining us. We've got uh, CJ. He's the co-host for one hour, uh, one decision. He was just on with me last week filling in for Charlie. So thank you, Mr. Chris, for uh, joining us on our Patreon journey. We've got Sarah Reamer, someone that I don't know. We, we really kind of have not figured out where, where we know, know Sarah from or how she discovered us. So, Sarah, uh, you've got your intro to the Discord and everything like that. So please uh, be part of the group. Or if you don't want to, that's fine as well. Same thing with another new uh, friend, uh, friend zone member. That's Beej. Mets. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Don't Hope know so the true. person, 
But thank you for joining, and we'd like to get to know you better. You bet. We've got uh, your friend of mine, Jamie Prinky, uh, on our best buds level. And then, of course, our BFFs, our top tier folks. That would be the awesome Nias family, Sean, Stella, and Henry, and your friend and mine, friend of the network, Missy Merchant, who I'm actually recording with after we wrap up here because she is a frequent collaborator, too. So we love all of you guys. It's easy to become part of our Patreon. There's lots of different levels depending on what you dig. Visit us at patreon.com slash secret friends unite for all those great details. And and Todd, I just noticed of this great new cover that we're going to be talking about. I don't talk about my brother a lot, but this comic came out the week he was born. The first week of October 1974. Talking about Marvel Spotlight. The son of Satan, Damien Hellstrom, is the star of this. And what do we got going on here? It's a, it, This is, I mean, this seems very 70s. You got somebody sitting in... Uh, what, what the, the the pentagram? It's not a pentagram. What is she sitting in? She got the candles. She's doing a seance or whatever. A pentagram, I assume the five yeah. uh, the five star. It's like the upside down version of the Star of David, of course, because yeah. uh, right. you don't want that to be a little weird and, and crazy. Um, I was just surprised in this, and it says uh, Damon. This is a uh, this woman is seancing or br- bringing a demon forth. It says Damon Hellstrom. If you seek to rob me of this girl's soul, then I'll take yours instead. Well, Madhouse, right. a tale of exorcism and of demonic possession. So now uh, I don't awesome. see. No, I, I do see it's approved by the comics group. But wasn't the whole point of the comics group like to keep like demonology, Satanism well, and things out of comics? I thought that was more in the 50s. It was like language or whatever, or probably homosexuality because it was but it was like supernatural elements too. like. Oh, maybe I don't I'm know. Not. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, that would take some research, but really the comics code was kind of good for nothing. Uh, and, and I don't even know that it exists anymore because really you have comics of so many different stripes and, and really all of your um, original or OC comic readers are people who are our age and older who don't need the comics code. So, no. um, so yeah, so it, it's kind of silly. But yeah, for 1974, uh, having something that is in your face with the words demonic possession on the cover of the comic is, uh, I will admit that it's a little surprising, but you know what? Cool. That's what was going on when my brother, uh, Rob came into the world in the beginning of October, 1974. How interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And fun fact, there was actually a Hellstrom TV show on Hulu. One of the few last non uh, MCU shows. And it was about a brother and a sister called Hellstrom and nobody watched it. I didn't. I, 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 did, I didn't even. I, we talked about it. I didn't know that it ever came. It, that it's out there. Is it out there? That's it's still crazy. on Hulu, I believe. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Charlie. All right. Well, maybe we should uh, have a little micro collab and listen to it. But anyway, uh, or we could do this. We could dispatch our faithful employee who we play, pay a nickel a week. I'm talking about our news correspondent, our senior news correspondent at 123 years young. That would be Madam Webb down at the corner of Hollywood and Vine, which I did not visit when I was in L.A., but I have to so that I can say hello next time. I'm talking about Madam Webb. She's got the rumors and news for us. So let's go. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Madam Webb, it's the Oscar season. We've got the big show tonight. They've removed the red carpet, put in the champagne carpet, which if you, I know that annoys you, Madam Webb. You always make people take their shoes off when they go on your carpet because, (laughs) you know, when a Solomon Grundy shows up, doesn't wipe his feet, it's disgusting. Oh, How are they going to keep that champagne carpet clean, Madam Webb? But give us your cleaning tips the next time. We'll hang out and we'll talk about cleaning. 
I've got it. It'll be a fire hose. Oh my goodness. Anyway, all right. What do we got up first? We got uh, your uh, feel good superhero favorite and mine, uh, a character you've always been iffy on. That is the Punisher. Um, love the actor though, John Bernthal, who played uh, the role in the uh, Netflix series in the last couple of years, is returning for Disney Plus's uh, Daredevil: Born Again. Uh, which is going into production pretty soon. This was news this week. Now I am assuming this is a um, it's it's a total reboot. We're not carrying over any continuity from what happened at Netflix because uh, that was not the vibe that we got out of um, seeing the Matt Murdock character as Daredevil in in She Hulk. It was like it was totally new. He had a different outfit. He wasn't quite so fighting guys in a in a you know hallway and getting stabbed a bunch. So I assume this is pretty much all new. Well, uh, the the Daredevil show is going to be called Born Again. Uh, there is a comic run based on that, but I only think they're using the name to represent kind of what this is for Daredevil and the the characters within that Netflix universe. I assume, and based on what you said, Charlie, I agree. I think this is essentially going to be the multiverse version of Daredevil. Reason why I showed up in a different costume, um, lighter, more comedic, taking on the different aspects of Daredevil we've gotten from the comics. It's not all just the Frank Miller run, which I think right. everybody's familiar with, but he's had many more years since that. He's taken on weird supervillains like the owl, not the owl accountant in the Netflix series. Um, right. You know, Mr. Hyde, um, you know, more of the, you know, the different aspects of Daredevil are broad and wide. He became like a, uh, I think he became like the evil overlord of Hell's Kitchen at one point when he became like Dark Daredevil. Um, so he's done many things and we've right. had his story already told with, um, I, I, and I don't know if it's a value to revisit that or bring those things in. Cause I would say the Netflix series was always so thinly connected. It was like, Oh, they showed something on a screen that you can just ignore it because by all means, the MCU movies right. definitely ignore the Netflix series. Well, you know, and it was, I know they had Ben Urich, uh, who was a, a, a daily bugle writer. I don't think he wrote for the daily bugle or maybe he did, but he had a, a framed copy of a headline or a, that said attack on New York, like in the corner of his office. And then Stan Lee appeared in a post office on a wanted poster employee of the month or something. So it was just like, Oh, we got you a little Easter egg, but yeah, there was nothing, you know, agents of shield. They, they dwindled it down to the point that it was divorced from the continuity altogether. Yes. And it was his own little pocket deal. So yeah. Yep. 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 So, yeah. so, so we are getting, you know, I, I think it's also being part of the MCU. I don't think you can have, the Punisher be essentially a murderous madman and people are just like, Oh, that's okay. He's, he's, he's kind of a good guy. You just got to get to know him after he killed people. No, yeah. I think they're going to, to get to know him. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, <laughs> Bernthal, they've got his face, bring him back in, but reset the character a little bit. So it's not the same. He essentially got two plus seasons of being that character which to me was more than enough. Same thing with sure. Charlie Cox playing Daredevil. He got three plus seasons with the Defenders. Um, so, and, and I and I think that's part of the next story is that we are getting some of the roles recast as well. Uh, which one would be the Punisher's wife, Vanessa? Um, they're recasting the character. So that tells me, if anything, if the recasting her, is it going to be flashbacks because she was dead? 
essentially, right? Oh, um, you know, yeah. everybody comes and goes. Well, that yeah. is, I mean, and again, that kind of bleeds us into the next uh, blurb that you have here. Um, but yeah, the character of Vanessa, his, you know, long-suffering wife is is really the Kingpin's muse. It's kind of what drives his bus. Oh, everything's for Vanessa. You know, everything that, you know, everything I've done is for Vanessa. And she leaves him and or she dies and then she's in suspended animation and they have a son, Richard, who becomes the schemer and then it becomes the Rose and blah, blah. There's a, there's, there's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, going into um, the next bit, this uh, actress Sandrine Holt has been cast as Vanessa, and it rattles off. She's a, a part of Better Call Saul, which I've never watched. Uh, obviously, people swear up and down about it. And Hostages, which I'm not familiar with. She was, like everybody you know, in Southern California, one point or another, in 24. That's how I know her. And she was in some other recent show that april and i watched i can't remember but great actress i think she fits the bill um of kind of a you know darkly suffering looking kind of you know put upon kind of vibe um so yeah that's pretty much um you know the story of vanessa fisk she's just she's there to be his dark inspiration because she you know it's kind of it's kind of very godfather like you know k don't ask me about my business he's the godfather and she's she's k um though she sticks around uh and dies and comes back and blah blah blah. like i said so mm, i don't know yeah Who's to say? so if they're re if they're recasting this character this just tells me this is not going yeah. to be based on the Netflix series. It's just going to be, and we saw right. Kingpin as well. He was powered up. He was a little bit different, dressed a little bit more goofiness, you know, like the, his, the way he was dressed was a little bit more comic appropriate. So right. I think when this all lays down, this is just going to be, yep, we're reusing those characters, but this is our take on them with the actors right. you already know and love, which I think is perfectly fine because it allows them to do different things, not right. replay the same storylines. Do we need Punisher and Daredevil or Kingpin going at each other again for like the fourth time. Right. If it's a different way to approach the situation, mm -hmm. maybe they don't know each other, you know? Right. I mean, in, in the modern era with everything at your fingertips, and it's been this way since, you know, you know, the home video market was a thing in the last 40 years. Uh, you just don't need, and that's what drives me nuts about, you know, Disney's doing a live action version of this thing and that thing. You just don't need to, to grind over the same old thing when the same old thing is readily available to you and probably on a, now in a streaming service that you pay for. So if I love the lion King, I don't need to suffer through the live action, but also animated lion King because I can just go watch the lion King. You know what I mean? So yes, give me a new story. Doesn't mean you can't take particularly with Marvel comics that have been around for now over 60 years. Uh, you can do a whole lot of different stuff. You can redo the X-Men, which we're going to see in the next few years. And it's going to be something totally different. And it's even easier with the team. They can totally reboot the Avengers and do that differently. They can do the fantastic four, which we know is coming. Um, and not just drag over the same story beats. Like, do you remember, you know, with fantastic four in particular, do you remember how you didn't like how we did this before? You can now not like how we do this now. <laughs> That's pretty or the X-Men. How many times can we do the Dark Phoenix story? Seriously. Gotcha. How Find many times? Find a way. Oh, <laughs> my God. Maybe this will be the good one. You know, two right. out of three ain't bad. No, one out of three might yes. be good. Yeah. Meet Loafers. I, I think we did an episode of Code 47 when Aaron was my co-host that she had a friend named Matt, and he was Matt Loaf, and I called him Mart Loaf. So, yes, two, one out of three ain't bad by Mart Loaf. There you go. <laughs> exactly. It's, hey, you know what? It's, it's well, you know, one out of three is bad, quite honestly. It's 33%. Yeah, Nobody, exactly. well, in baseball, I guess that's a good batting average, but, you know. One out of three, low. sure. Yeah, one yeah, out right. of three. Yeah, yeah, 300, bat, you know, batting 400 is 
well, it's hot, impossible to get in baseball. So, right. uh, but movies hope you're better than that. Cause you're already bankrupt, you know? Right. Exactly correct. So speaking of bankrupt and potentially uh, creatively bankrupt, let's talk about Star Wars. <laughs> oh, I know, you know, I know. And I'm walking two edges of the sword because I do uh, on this very network do a Star Wars program with our partner, Mark, uh, who is much more of a happy go lucky Star Wars guy. He's I, a cheerleader for Star yes, Wars. He is like I, everything has a positive yeah, side, which, you know, I have Todd to balance me. But I, you know, I still stay positive. I, I find bits and pieces in each of the star Wars productions that I enjoy. Unlike with star Trek, where I'm just like, they can do no wrong, which is not true. They can do wrong. They have done wrong. Um, but I, I'm a little bit more tipped up, but I'm also a little bit more critical because I feel like some of the programming we've gotten star Wars related from Disney, particularly on Disney plus has been like, and here's Boba Fett and da, 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 da. Thank you. No. Um, but anyway, you've got a headline here from deadline. Disney is being very careful with star Wars movie development. Your boy, uh, Bob Disney says Marvel brand, not inherently off. And do you need a third and fourth sequel for every character? Hmm. So he's drilling mm. down. He's drilling he down. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, you know, Todd, we've talked about since Endgame um, on the big screen. Marvel has not really wowed me. You know what I mean? And it's it's been sequel. It, it's been, you know, it, there have been some brand new things. We had the Eternals. Less said about that, the better. But everything else has been a sequel. And has one of them, well, excuse me, Shang-Chi was, you know, it was okay. Um, but all the rest of them seemed like they were sequels, unless I'm forgetting something. And none of them have wowed to me personally. Yeah, it's am, I, it's am I forgetting something? Well, and since that time and ended, you also get the uh, MC shows on Disney Plus, which meant right. that um, it was funny because they mentioned like in this amount of time, you got this many movies and then or Marvel things. And then in this period of time, like since you've gotten like four X, the amount of Marvel stuff. Right. So let's just put it this way. If you need you have that much more stuff your hit and miss ratio is going to be a lot worse right. because that means you, you're, you're basically spreading your resources. You've got less people like, you know, Kevin Feige's great, but you know what? Is he putting as much attention as he did when he was only doing a movie a year or a movie two or three years, you know, it, it, when it was a smaller amount, you can add more care and attention to those things versus I've got 18 TV series. Everything right. has to be connected TV and movies, you know, that the Charlie day, uh, it's always, uh, you know, oh, sunny in Philadelphia, the, conspiracy the, board. the, the, pe the peppy Sil Sylvia. Yeah. I have to track to see who's doing what, what's doing what. And well, if something gets delayed, then it's derailed. The concept just gets really hard to do. And because of that, you're not, now they're going to more niche characters. And before that niche character used to get a lot more, uh, love and care was the only thing happening around it. But now you've got Miss Marvel dropping it, and it's going to be six episodes long. And um, some of these smaller characters might be better in cameos. They might be part of a team. They might be better just to show up and slowly introduce themselves. Uh, or maybe they need to know their own series. But it's really right. hard to pick, get lightning in a bottle like they did for the first eight years of the MCU. Now, it's we're so used to Marvel stuff that the the freshness has worn off. The The formula is much more clear because you see what they do. The end credit sequence is often just a trailer for the next TV series, mm -hmm. which means to me, it's like, okay, great. But I know that's coming because you already told me three years ago, this is right. what your slate was. So there's no surprises anymore, really. Well, so spoilers I mean, become like almost not even a big deal anymore. So it's like right. the wonder of it is, is diminished 
and we're getting so much of it, more of it now, you don't have to must, it's not must see Marvel anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. And you're dealing with obviously a much more informed fan base than you were 15 years ago when people were like, Oh my God, this thing's happening. It's so amazing. And now everybody has seen everything. And if everybody hasn't seen anything, they're digging around the internet to find it. So yeah, you know, and this is on the heels of uh, another headline within the last 30 days that they're really cutting back, particularly when it comes to Marvel, because they just know that they've done too much too soon. And they're, they are, you know, the, they're kind of prostigators of their own demise, potential demise. So yeah, slow it down. You, you guys are making some bucks. Yeah. But Iger quoted here saying disappointed by box office returns from solo, which is now five years ago. Is it five years ago was the last time that we got that film. And it was four years ago that we got rise of Skywalker, which in a lot of ways is, I won't say universally reviled. Was solo in between. Yeah. Solo it was, was, yeah. It was in between, solo, right? Okay. Yeah, it, it came out on the kind of Star Wars time frame of Memorial Day weekend in 2018 because it was right when our, our son graduated from high school. So I, I remember we did. We, we went to his graduation and then we went and saw that movie. <laughs> I know. Priorities. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, I mean, yeah. I mean, and it's your point. It, I did kind of a, a, a just somebody was talking about. I think a Kuro who's been on your show many times, you know, yours and Mark show, and he is really pushing Disney to like, you know, you guys got to fix some stuff because right now yeah. you are losing the shine and you're kind of wearing away all of that polish and you're kind of getting right. too deep. You know, you're kind of wearing away the the love and and fan love, and you're only keeping like the diehard around, and you're kind of losing the people that you need right. to come and see a movie. In the time that Marvel has owned Disney and Star Wars, since so basically since twenty. 15 is that when uh, Star Wars was purchased or when for, the Force uh, Awakens came out 2015 or 2016 came out in 2014 so the purchase okay. was in 2012 or 2013 yeah got it so there so from that time 2015 the Force Awakens to at the same time when Marvel came out Marvel has had I believe 16 films Star Wars has had six right <laughs> I mean right. and essentially if you say well they average about a billion dollars that's ten it's, billion dollars they've left on the table because they can't get their enough. shit figured out. Well, they can't get yeah, their right. stuff figured out. And, and Disney, right. if anything, Disney leads on a lot of money. They've got forty nine dollars and billions of dollars in debt. So you're kind of saying like Star Wars, you got to start making money for us because if, if it's on yeah. Disney Plus, the heavy lifting in Disney Plus is already done. We've got people in. They're not right. really going to be gaining like the. You know, you're not going to see the huge incremental. You're going to get more people joining because they'll right. join, they'll drop off. So because of that, being on Disney Plus and having TV shows is just not enough anymore because it doesn't create a lot of revenue. The TV series, right. unless they sell it off to someone else, which I don't think Disney's going to do. So, um, and the fact is out of star Wars, the fact that star Wars is a film franchise first. Yeah. Um, and now or it's it not was. anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's always been gaps with star Wars anyways, but that was more because George Lucas got tired of star Wars and he just wanted to sit back and, Make action count, figures or do something else. Count his millions. Or what? You know what? In fairness, it, he settled down and raised kids. Which, hey, isn't that the dream for a lot of people? So that's great. But then it was like, yeah, I got to come back. And you haven't seen Jar Jar Binks and uh, yeah. Anakin is a snotty teenager or whatever. Got to have it. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like Disney wants to take a break from this, but they know they've had to because with what Solo did, and then every Star Wars movie after the Force Awakens. 
has saw declining returns. So something was not clicking. It wasn't must see TV anymore. Uh, Star Trek should be an, uh, Star Wars should be an event. We know that. Right. So, but they still got to put out a movie every once in a while. And the fact that, that all these yeah. projects that they've announced have just not turned into anything just tells me it's mismanagement at the very top because right. they're not picking the right people. They're not getting the right scripts. And maybe they right. need to rethink what they said originally when they launched this thing. We've got a story group and we've got this and we've got that. Right. I'm like, but you don't really right. have one person then making the decisions. You've got a collaborative or, a, 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 you know, there's, a, yeah. a, a there's cabal. Not a, there's not a Bill Star Wars that's calling the shots. You don't you know have a Kevin I mean? Feige because I don't think yeah. Kathleen Kennedy, quite honestly, she doesn't put it out there. She's in the weeds and she knows Star Wars better than anybody else. And these right. are the characters she wants. I don't think she's an idea person. I think she's more of a get the pieces together and hire the right people. And I right. think after you've seen people that I don't think she's hired the right people for the most part, she's right. continued to, to go after projects, which to me are diminishing returns. Like, you know, season three of the bad batch, sorry, bad batch is speaking to a very small audience. All right. It's not all, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> so what I'm saying is this is what yeah. they're trying to do. They're trying to, they, the, Bob Iyer's like star Wars has to start stepping up and making right. the money back. Cause True. if you compare True. what they paid for Marvel and star Wars, Mar- Marvel is – who thought Marvel would ever be bigger than Star Wars? And it definitely is at this point. Yeah. It's so crazy. 20 years ago, we would hit, you know, when Marvel launches with, you know, God, it was now 15 years ago, launching with Iron Man, uh, basically a C-minus level character that nobody – made Robert Down Jr. one of the biggest movie stars in the world uh, of this century. Yeah, it's nuts. But we shall see as things develop and – uh, faithful listeners will bring it right. Hashtag to you. bring back the bat, bo- book of Boba Fett universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is a long one. Be sure to uh, make a note and save that. on your phone for When you want to do it on Twitter and Instagram. All right, moving on. Uh, Kate Crusader. Uh, that would be Batman moves to Amazon with a two season order. Uh, this was the project from J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and Bruce Tim. The latter two are comic writers. I know Bruce Tim is. Bruce Tim was the guy behind the Batman animated series. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, previously in development for HBO Max. So that's that's interesting. You know, obviously because that is uh, it's Batman and it's a Warner Brothers property. Uh, but to see it like it was at HBO is this something that was the victim of the Discovery Plus culling? Um, but yeah, this sounds cool. Uh, Todd, you are more the Batman animated guy than me. So what are you thinking about this? Uh, well, there's always been in a Batman animated series. It seems like you, every three or four years, there's a new take. Batman, the brave and the bold, the Batman, right. uh, uh, different, you know, he's teamed up with Scooby-Doo. Uh, so animation is in Batman's blood. It always has been. The big one was Batman the animated series. He, you know, Justice League Unlimited, where Batman was part of that team as well. Um, so Bruce Tim being part of this is he is the guy. If you want animated Batman, you go to Bruce Tim. You've got him there. JJ Abrams had a deal to make pro, uh, projects for HBO Max. That really hasn't paid off, but he's obviously behind this as well as to get this moving forward, which is good. And then you've got Matt Reeves, who's behind the Batman. Uh, so this is a good brain trust to bring a new animated series of Batman. It always does well. They're always very popular. You can get a new line of toys. But to your point, Charlie, HBO Max had kind of their culling where they have so much debt. They have to figure out something. So they've had to remove things that essentially are costing them money versus making them money. And one way they can make money is just take their licenses like they used to actually before HBO Max, where you, that's why you'd see like Gotham on Fox, you'd see right. um, Pennyworth on epics or whatever. Uh, this is the same. This is going back to that old model. And it's, you know, this model has worked in 
just ridiculously well for Sony, where they essentially don't have to worry about having subscribers. They just make the content and sell it. This is the old model. TV shows did this all the time. You know, you get like uh, NBC Universal. Well, they've got a series that now that's on ABC. So that's why the rights don't always pay out, right? Like um, uh, it's classic TV series, like who owns them? I don't know. Well, it was on NBC when I was a kid. Why isn't it on Peacock? Well, because it was actually produced by ABC. So deal, long story deal, short, deal. Yes. yeah, long story short, we're getting this TV series. It's going to be on Amazon now. Basically, Warner Brothers is making money off of this and Amazon gets content because Amazon doesn't make a lot of shows. So they're always looking to fill the gaps. So um, essentially, this is going to be a 10 episode first season run and it's been uh, secured for two seasons. So short nice. seasons for animation because animation is usually like 24 episodes. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially back in the day when animation and if this is something I don't know what the slant of this is, this is going to be more for your adult fans, could be more for the kids, probably more for the adult fans, I would imagine. Um, well, it can hit both ways. And based on the yeah. one piece of art we see here, it kind of looks like a throwback from like the original Batman from right. like 1930s. And I have that is one of one of my Batman over here in the corner. You probably can't can't make it out, but I've got my four. I got my four Batman there flanked by what's his, oh, you can't see him. But anyway, yeah, I got this cool little Batman set a couple of years ago that was Batman through the ages. And yeah, that's Batman with the with the purple gloves. Loved him. Can't see it in this picture we have here, but um, this is great. Uh, I have another Amazon show I'm going to talk about in the Geek Easy, but uh, Amazon, like you said, they don't have a ton of programming, um, but the accessibility is second to none because everybody's got Amazon. Everybody's got Amazon. Most people that I know have Amazon Prime because it's, you know, it's Amazon Prime. What the hell do you want? Je Jeff Bezos owns a little bit of our soul. You can't deny it as, as much as you say that you don't sometimes go to Walmart, even though we all hate it. <laughs> we all do business on Amazon. <clears throat> yeah, it's weird. I, I rarely go to Walmart because it's just further out. It's more out of the way than other things are. Right. But to your point, if you know you need to go, you need to go. Don't be, a, right. you know... It, it, I, I mean, I we I, I went to an Amazon because it was in walkie distance of the ship when we were in Puerto Vallarta because April needed eye drops. You went and to you Amazon? No, no, to Walmart. Okay, I was going to say yeah. I don't know if there's 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 a couple of Amazon grocery I mean, stores. There was a shop. Yeah, I, I saw one or two of them in L.A. But I think that I, I, there was a big shopping mall next to it, so it could have been. So anyway, um, now we have Todd. You and I were talking in the pre-roll that Jenna Ortega was on SNL last night, and she she's delightful. She's absolutely delightful. Um, but she is circling being a part of a sequel to Beetlejuice. Holy cow. Beetlejuice being the 1989, was that a Tim Burton film? 88 Tim Burton film, yes. Yeah, there you go. With music by Danny Elfman, of course, starring uh, Michael Keaton and the delightful, I'm going to draw a blank on her name. Winona Ryder? Thank you very much. Because I just, it was uh, we just watched, I don't remember, a couple weeks back, April, and I finally watched, um, the hell was that Gen X movie? Not singles. Oh, uh, no, it was... Uh, Reality Bites. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. that was, yes. Dad, the voice of our generation that I watched like a month ago when we're in our late 40s. <laughs> Always on the pulse of... Uh... <laughs> yes, I know. Right on, right on top of that film from 1993. But but anyways, yeah, she is, she's on fire right now. Uh, did great things in Wednesday, which we loved. Everybody I know loved that. Uh, she's just in Scream 6, which we're going to talk about in the Geek Easy. And uh, so yeah, I would imagine a, a, a reinvention of this. Perhaps she is, uh, if they're moving the movie forward, and I would, you know, I would imagine they're bringing Michael Keaton back. Uh, perhaps she is, uh, she's the daughter of um, 
Winona Ryder's character or related, or maybe it's going to be. Yeah, totally she's good. supposed to be Lydia's daughter. Yeah, there you go. I see that now. So uh, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis and Je- uh, Jeffrey Jordan, who is the uh, no Jeffrey Jones. Who the hell is Jeffrey Jordan? Was he the big guy that was at the dance? Oh, remember that the table, the bigger guy. Could be, uh, you know, I, I think Jeffrey Jones, Jeffrey Jones, who was the father in that, and was also the principal in Ferris Bueller's. I think he got himself in some trouble a couple of years. Back, he so did, yeah. He is no longer his, making things. Yeah, that's why his name. And, and of course, Catherine O'Hara, who's still who's still in things because of you know Shit's Creek a few years back. That everybody really loved. Um, it sounds like the original film did well. Eighty million on a fifteen million dollar budget. Not bad for the original film. Million dollars is probably like three hundred million today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So on a, on, on a on a on a teeny budget. So this is exciting. So I would imagine if she is, it says that she is eyeing this, but it doesn't say that she's committed. So I would imagine this is in kind of pre pre production if they don't have those bits locked down. So be a couple of years before we see this. But I'd be excited. I love Michael Keaton. I love the character. I love most things that he does. Even going back to Multiplicity and uh, uh, what was he the what was the stay at home dad movie that he did, Mister Mom, Mister Mom, yeah, which I believe. Because <clears throat> it was set in the Detroit area, it was uh, potentially they lived in Gross Point, which is my hometown. So that's why I loved it even more. Awesome, but anyway, I like him, and of course the Vulture and the the Spider Man Spider Man yeah. films. Uh, despite the fact they've diluted that character down to Morbius, oh yuck. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, he, um, Michael Keaton. I mean, he is a beloved actor. He kind of stepped out of the limelight for many, many years, came back. And um, it's got to, I think he's just embracing his past. Like a lot of actors do, you know, when they kind of rejected it and coming back to it, he's, you know, we've seen, he's the thing most people are excited about in the flash movie. Um, And he's done all these new roles where he's, I think he's just wanting to make money and have a good time. And these type of projects are just fun. Probably getting back to work with people. He enjoyed Tim Burton. I think he he enjoyed working with Tim Burton because he made Batman and he made Beetlejuice. I mean, he developed relationships and, and Jennifer Ortega, same thing. She worked with Tim Burton on Wednesday and I think it was a good environment and it makes sense. It's a franchise that largely many people don't remember. It's, I would say it's more cult than anything these days. So this is, this is good. Uh, I enjoy it. Hopefully it's a good idea and done well versus, you know, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory yeah some of the some of the long-awaited sequels uh they are very hit and miss mostly miss uh we had top gun maverick last year which is now up for six oscars or tonight which is crazy uh but then for every you know top gun maverick you're going to get an independence day resurgence which just makes you want to bang your head against the rock uh i went i remember i've told the story before i went to go see that one with april and my mom and at the end of it my mom said well that was a movie <laughs> because that's really how we felt about it oh my gosh all right well rounding things out and Todd, you said you touched upon this while i was gone um, but this news actually happened while we were on the Star Trek cruise on the ship. And two of the guests were Doug Jones, uh, Captain Saru, and Sarah Mitich, who is Lieutenant Nilsson, on the bridge of the Discovery. So we're talking about Star Trek Discovery. That show is going to come to an end uh, after five seasons um, on CBS All Access slash Paramount+. Plus. Um, the show, and again, it, it happened while we were on the cruise. Uh, and Doug, Doug Jones is someone I know personally because he's a very close friend of Missy Merchant, who is a, my collaborator and one of our big Patreons. Um, so he was doing, he was a guest on the cruise. Uh, as I said, he was doing a panel later the same day and he addressed it and he said, Yeah, I got a note. 
rolled out of bed, jumped on a Zoom call, and that's how we got the news. Um, and so we, we talked about this a little bit on Code 47, which you potentially listened to uh, last week, uh, where you had Peter and Kay and myself talking about it. But Ty, you and I talked about this a little bit on the pre-roll. So not, not to get all the way into the weeds, because uh, if you want to hear you know deep Trek-related thoughts about that, please definitely tune in to, uh, to our Code 47 uh, episode. But um, five seasons in the streaming world is pretty damn good. It's it's pretty exceptional, really, because, you know, named me another show that's been streaming, you know, since the, the real power of streamers. So we're talking the, you know, mid Stranger Things is at four, I think, right? They're right. In season four. They're getting a fifth season. Right. But yeah, but there's not and- many. But again, Stranger Things again was really, really stretched out, you know, because they did it. It was, it was on, it was on, it was off for two years. It was on again. Discovery has been pretty consistent. Um, and it also launched its own spinoff, which would be Star Trek Strange New Worlds, albeit with some established characters going in. Um, but and, and it's a you know it's a lightning rod for fans because there are your diehards who can't really accept that Star Trek is moving forward and telling different stories, and then there are people like Kay and and Missy who are part of our network who absolutely embrace and love it. So one thing that can't be debated, and again I won't belabor this too long, is that everything happening with Star Trek right now goes right back to Star Trek Discovery. It was the flagship of the CBS All Access. It brought uh, Star Trek back to television after a you know, 15 year high or excuse me, a 12 year hiatus after Star Trek Enterprise was canceled because the program and the format had gotten really stale. So it, it completely re-energized the concept of what Star Trek was to be like on television, like it or lump it. Um, if you're being honest with yourself, you cannot deny what they accomplished. And, uh, and uh, you know what I am, I'm not sad that it's ending because all things have to have to an end in this case said on our show, better to go out on top telling strong stories, um, having this nice buffer. They had completed the season. This is what Doug shared. But there is, um, on the horizon, they're going to come back, record some additional material so they can give it a proper ending, which is awesome. So, yeah, uh, I think it's, and and move on to the next one. We've not had an announcement of a new program. We know Picard is ending. So I get the feeling Strange New Worlds within the next several weeks, we're going to find out that when Picard ends in May, uh, we'll be getting Strange New Worlds. And then again, I, I think we had this discussion on the Discord. I think we're going to get Strange New Worlds. Lower decks in the early summer, and then Prodigy in the in the later fall, because that's what we had last year. Um, but again, and then Picard, and then we'll see this final season of Discovery in Picard slot next February. So basically, this time next year. Um, but no, no word on a new program, which would still take a year or two to produce. So I would imagine that news might be coming too. Let's hope so. Yeah, I mean, Strange New Worlds came in at a great time, right? Because then it's fresh, only one season so far. People can hop on board and get introduced to Trek. I always, like Chris, I said, if you're going to watch any show, start with Strange New Worlds. It's the best entry point Star Trek has ever had. It's not something that's 30 years old, which TNG and Deep Space Nine feel like they're like, you know, 20 to 30 years old. Almost 60 years old, which is TOS. TOS. That's hard to get into. Enterprise is hard to get into. Voyager, yeah. yeah. I have not spoken to anyone uh, who has said that they didn't enjoy Strange New Worlds in the modern yeah. parlance. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just it's it's, it's it's accessible. It's enjoyable. It's both serious and funny. Um, it, it it has some ongoing threads, but it's also very loosey goosey. So anyway, yes, yeah, Strange New Worlds. But anyway, um, yeah. So uh, bon voyage to the good folks at Discovery. Um, because it's because it's been a wild ride. So anyway, yeah. that is the end of the news. Todd, it's time to get out that Fuber app, that Feeble Uber app. That's right. We got to get down to the Geek Easy. Uh, our 
bad drinks and terrible service await so that we can talk about stuff we've been enjoying this week. So let's go. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're setting the Geek Easy. Drinks are poured and we are ready to get our nerd on. So this is going to be kind of a mixed bag this week because uh, Charlie's been gone. So we're going to cover a bunch of different things uh, and then we'll get into the Thunderdome topic, which kind of relates to two of the things we have both seen. So with that, Charlie, uh, take it away. You have to pick which two things it is. We'll do, we'll take a micro poll. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so we're back in April. Like, oh my god, you go on vacation and you miss all this TV, which is like, why are we thinking like that? We were on vacation. It was amazing. It's never um, going away. TV will be there for you. I know, and it still wasn't. Actually, we still watched Mando and the like, the end of 1923, and the first couple of episodes of the show. I'm going to talk about when we were still on vacation. I watched the first couple episodes of this show um, that I'm going to talk about. Second. In LA, which is awesome. But anyway, history history of the world part two. Uh, we talked about this on the show as we kind of found out about it, which was maybe two months ago. Um, if you're familiar at all, we watched History of the World Part One in April, never seen it, and we were both kind of like, eh. I mean, the classic bits, you know, it's like that's a favorite of my uncle Chris, and he was always quoting, you know, you look like the piss boy, you look like a bucket of shit, blah, blah, blah. and it's good to be the king. Don't get saucy with me, Bernays. Yes, exactly. So, you know, and it was kind of the uh uh, you know, and again, when it comes to Mel Brooks, it'll always be Blazing Saddles for me, and then Spaceballs, and then everything else is kind of a glob. You know, I, I'm not like, oh, I really love, like, people are crazy about Young Frankenstein, and I'm kind of like, meh, it's okay. But History of the World, I wouldn't say I've seen it a ton of times, but it's an hour and a half. That film, which came out in 1981, is an hour and a half, and it's all about little funny vignettes on world events uh, that just get kind of zanier and zanier. And at the end, Todd, you said you watched a couple of these, and there's seven or eight parts because it was aired like two or three parts a night over four nights. I'm not doing the math. Two or three parts a night. I think it was two parts a night over four nights. Four nights. Making it, making it eight eight segments. Okay, there we go. I got that math. Math. Math, bad. Uh, so, Todd, you, you watched the first night, and it was funny because the original film ended with, and we'll bring you History of the World Part 2, Part two. which you now did, you know, 40-something years later. And one of the things they were plugging in there was Hitler on ice. And, and so they they plug in the original film. So they brought it back, and you saw exactly that. Then you saw it segued into our new actors. And again, you could get yourself a check checkerboard of who was in this and it would be easier to figure out who wasn't in it because anyone you can name that is in the comedy world was it was pretty much in this yeah everybody um so yeah you had uh, you know ike Barinholtz and wanda sykes and now a third person who i'm nick kroll nick kroll yeah was in that scene and they were they were the line judges for hitler on ice and then it just it just goes from there so you had you know your your caveman and the drawings and uh you had oh your your gal natalie morales was in an early mm-hmm. sketches where it was three cave women getting stoned and talking about cave drawings and learning uh learning language uh so i just it just gets crazier from there you get a whole segment of wanda sykes as the first black women in congress but they turned it into a sit Seventy sitcom that was pretty great and yeah, the and, uh, and you'll know it charlie the one the, the husband in that oh, is the guy which is funny because he's in a wheelchair not in real life which right always exactly. seemed weird for me yeah right yeah yeah i don't know how you pick that but whatever oops oh my gosh that totally set off my watch sorry <laughs> i thought i had this but don't say here. don't say that word charlie it sounds your oh, siri no. picks up everything yeah exactly oh my god so anyway it, it was a hoot todd i would say um yeah that's definite it's definite not 
must gotta watch the TV. But it was hilarious. And again, April April's very hit and miss when it comes to comedy stuff. Um, but she was enjoying this. So that that was uh that was proof proof in the pudding that it's that it's pretty funny for pretty much anybody, in my opinion. Yeah, I love the fact that they like Mel Brooks is still involved in this. And they said, well, if they asked me to come back, I said, no repeats. And you have to make me look like I did back in the day. And they got, you know, they're doing the deep AI. It was it was great. (laughs) Love that. Uh, And they do still do the, the, you know, when they do the segments, he still says exactly what the segment is. And uh, this one's definitely more R rated than the original. And, yeah, it's something that you wouldn't necessarily expect to see on a on a streamer, you know, what I no, mean? or something like no, Hulu. No, if you like, you know, they're they're not worried about what they say or some of the right. subject material. Like the Kamal Nanjiani skit was pretty damn funny. Yeah, exactly. That was very funny. Pop quiz for you. Do you know how old Mel Brooks is? Did you look it up? It's got to be like ninety two. Ninety six. Ninety six, and wow. he looks. He doesn't look, you know, like Kirk Douglas did feeble, and you can't believe that he can still stand up. He looks like a normal dude. I mean, yeah. unless that's all photographic fakery, but it was it was incredible to think that he is almost a hundred years old. That's just absolutely yeah. insane. The now I will say, Charlie, watching this, I feel like it feels like drunk history. The reenactments, <laughs> the way it so looks great. by the way it's filmed, it I doesn't look history. like a movie. Which I, the, the old one at least looked like a movie. This one definitely looks like it's filmed for TV and digital. It's sketchy, it, yeah, it's very sketchy. It's not as yeah. good looking, and yes, and they're making more material. So obviously, it's not as like. You know, I don't know if there's a lot of like standouts like, oh, this is going to stand the test of time like the original right, did. True, but true. that was 90 minutes long. This is going to be like, I mean, eight times well, 20. Yeah. This is three hours long or ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, each, each segment was about 25 minutes. So anyway, uh, that is available to you on Hulu. Gets my highest recommendation. It was fun. And speaking of super high recommendations, I know we were, we were touching about Amazon super high, you know, uh, no pun intended because this is set in the 70s. Um, Amazon uh, Prime or Amazon, whatever the hell it is you want to call it. Uh, dropped Daisy in the Six, and it was funny. We were driving, uh, we were taking our bus tour around LA after the cruise, and then I had rented a car. And we were driving around LA before the cruise, and in Los Angeles, they have they have billboards, and they have they have uh, uh, bus stop backings for for entertainment things, which we we don't we don't have them in the Midwest uh, or so much, you know, because we don't have buses. This is this is Michigan. We don't have public transportation. Um, but this was something that I was seeing advertised, and it essentially it's about a rock band in the 1970s which is uh basically a dead ringer for the story of fleetwood mac because you you have the ingenue lead singer you've got the angsty guitar player and um I'm totally obsessed with it. And because it's Amazon, because I have Amazon Prime uh for my music, uh there's a whole album available and they also pump out um for each episode, they pump out new um, a new little three or four songs that were featured in the episode. So totally obsessed with it. Been listening to it, memorizing the songs for like the last week. Um, it's a blast. It's a blast. I highly recommend it. Todd, you had mentioned just by seeing it, you're like, oh, it's pretty much like Almost Famous, which is a Cameron Crowe film from the early 2000s, which I adore. Um, yeah, Todd, highest recommendation. Go watch this <laughs> bad boy. They're releasing it in the weirdest schedule. So we watched the first three um, in the hotel in LA, cause I always travel with my travel Roku. So I had it plugged in. Then they released three this past Friday and then it's two and two, and then it's over on March 24th. That's very weird. Like it's very I, weird. Yeah. I don't know if they're like, yeah, we got to get this out cause we don't want to wait and we want to strike while the iron's hot. But yeah, I, I can't recall a show. 
Um, cause you either go episodic, uh, one a week or sometimes two a week, or you dump everything like Amazon does or like Netflix does. So it was very weird to me. Um, the release schedule, but shit, I'm here for it. I just absolutely, like I said, I'm totally obsessed with it. So gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. It's not like Amazon had, like I said, it has a lot of uh, materials. So like, what are they waiting to like bring out next? I mean, don't know. like milk it, milk it. Yeah. And, you know, can people come back to keep talking about the show? Cause you know, right. once it's out, it's out and people will move on to the next thing. I mean, it's a one and done too. Cause you can tell it's the, the entire story is, is framed by this is what happened 25 years later. And so it's said in the early two thousands, like, Oh, the they'll friends, have to have like the interview the, segments. Well, like they age the them up a year later and they have their renewal tour. What happened. Yeah. What's that? Will they like, actually like bring them back later for have their like uh reunion tour or something like I'm, that? I, I have a feeling it'll end that way. So who knows, but it was, it's great. And the uh, Riley Keough is Daisy Jones, who is Elvis's granddaughter. In real life. Oh, yeah. Very I good. Know. Yeah. I'm not familiar with any of the other actors. I don't know if they're actually musicians, but she does her all her own singing. And of course, she's magnificent because she's Elvis's granddaughter. Crazy good stuff. Yeah. Highest recommendation. So, all right. Well, the next couple of things, actually, everything you want to talk about here, we've all consumed together and it's going to bleed us into the Thunderdome. So kick us off. Oh, I love how yeah. you missed Creed three with three with three threes. <laughs> I like it. I get it. Number in. Well, we'll do this quick. We'll just talk really quick. I am assuming you saw Mandalorian episode two, Charlie. Yes. Yeah. Watch that. Watch two and three. Uh, but you've not seen three. Or no, it was oh, only two. I'm sorry. Two. There's only yeah. two. Yeah. yeah. No, I've not two. seen three yet. <laughs> yes. Oh, I've got the power. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I watched the first episode. I thought it was okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And I think that's going to be the problem with me with as Mandalorian goes. I'm going to get feel like, yeah, it feels like more of the same. feels like more right. of the same. I'm used to it. It's not fresh and new. Kind of like because the driving force of this with Mandalore, uh, Mandalore and things like that to me is not that interesting. Uh, and right. I think a lot of people will say it's not that interesting to them because they weren't big into Clone Wars or Rebels. People that were into those, totally get it. You're going to be right. very excited right. about this. And, and there are plenty, you know, and those are the people who are watching the Bad Batch well, and stuff. They're right. the this smallest part of the audience, right? Because most people Probably. that are yeah. biggest have only watched Mandalorian. They're not going to watch right. Clone Wars and things like that. So right. with this, yeah. though, you know, the main plot point is resurrect, man, like get him in the waters. He's now in the water, so he's been cleansed. Um, and then yeah, we've got... And, and, and that worked out so great for him because it was like step, step, whoa! <laughs> and he's gone. Yeah. He's and gone. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of neat. We got some, I thought what the, I liked about it, they basically brought in a general Grievous type uh, character I call Iborg because he's got one eye. <laughs> <laughs> and he was Borgy. Really creepy character. I'm like, that's kind of a cool idea. Something we haven't seen before. It's like, what is it? Why was it there? We don't know. We've got some weird, like the creature. What was that? The Morlocks? The time machine cows. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's what I said right away because they look exactly the same. Exactly. So, you know, with all of this, there's a couple of decisions. I'm like, I think they need to make some progress on this. First of all, that ship was a bad decision. Oh, my God, it's the worst. I I just it drives me nuts. I mean, they're going to need a trailer or get the RV from Spaceballs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going. Yeah, I mean, talk about a serious ass downgrade. I love and it's one of the little ships I have back there on my shelf. Razor Crest. The Razor Crest was the bomb. Love that. So why can't he just go find himself another one? There has to be another one out there. I mean, they said it was an old ship and blah, blah, blah. But there's I mean, there's 50 gazillion, you know, Millennium Falcons out there. So go get another one. 
Go travel get, like I said, get the space balls RV. Like a lot of people that travel in RVs, what do they do? They have a trailer for a car. Same right, thing exactly. there. Do that. We're good to go because, yeah, I mean, where were they going to put IG-88, right? Uh, in the cargo section. Well, how do, I mean, more to the it point. Was gonna be his head, he, it was going to be his head and his legs just dangling. Below. <laughs> more to the point, how does he take a whiz? Or what if he's got a number two? What does he do? Are there rest areas in space? I don't think so. Where The pod doesn't fit in there with him. I mean, there's like no room. Yeah, there's got to be. And it's funny. I was watching, uh, you know, one of the regular YouTubers I watch, uh, New Rock Stars, Eric Voss. And he was saying, you don't see Grogu flips into the ship when he's getting ready to take off in a hurry. Because that bat is chasing him, and then the pram is just somehow in the ship. So it's like, did he, did he have a remote and push a button? And it went. He's got well, him everywhere. Yeah, yeah. he just yeah. leaves him everywhere. He's gonna go. Just you know, like you bring like your your, oh, your like baby, those, like yeah. those like those bicycles you see in cities everywhere that you just plonk down some money. They're just everywhere. Around. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's that's my one first complaint. My second complaint is, e. Grogu's got to get freaking older. This is you can't do this toddler thing for like the next ten years. It I just mean, gets old. I, I saw your note, and as far I mean, they 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 can and they could. When we first see the first appearance of Yoda that I'm aware of in the High Republic comics, he's like six hundred, and he looks like he's in his twenties, maybe. 20s or 30s so between 50 and 600 yeah they can keep but the thing is it babe it's a cash cow they're they're not gonna let go of of him it's old like baby Groot was only baby Groot for one freaking movie it wasn't baby Groot for like 18 more movies I I mean what part of me agrees with you part of me says I I I wouldn't I wouldn't get your heart broke over this because they're gonna milk Grogu as long we're back to milking again they're gonna do it as long as they possibly can because people are crazy for it well I I laugh because I'm like well He's supposed to be super intelligent, super intelligent. He, he acts like a freaking toddler. He still wants to crush uh, Babu Frack or whatever his name is. Babu Frack. Babu Frick, but I like Babu Frack. Let's go with that. Exactly, yeah. He's like George. He's like George from, or Lenny. Was it Lenny? No, George. From, uh, oh, from Lenny. Ice and Men. Ice and Men. So, once again, yeah. I, they said Yoda was a Jedi, was a Jedi at 100. And Drew was 50. Uh, I don't know. I don't know your sources on that, but I don't recall. I, I don't recall ever hearing that information. So you know, I don't know. Star Wars will make it up and make it work anyways. But once again, if he's at that age of pace, everybody will be dead by the time he can speak. <laughs> Probably so. But again, like I said, from a marketing standpoint, I know you can appreciate this because you're in the marketing business like I am. They're going to keep milking that shit until the, until the wheels fall off. Uh, so anyway, no. let, let's move on. So you and, I, you and I saw a pair of movies. April and I did a double header at the movies yesterday, and we saw both of these. So it's very fresh for me. We're talking about Creed, Cur 3-3-D, Creed 3, <laughs> and Cream, Six Cream. Six Creams? Scream yes. six. <laughs> yes. It's, it's nice. new lead speak for movies. I have numbers in them to make them yes. work. Very I don't know good. how four will work with Creed, and I don't know how Scream seven will work. I don't know. You got to figure it out. Um, maybe part of the A, maybe it's leaning or the, I don't know. Pick a number and make it into a, a letter, whatever. We'll go from that. So, yeah, uh, just a journey, background in my journey on the Creed series. Um, I said I pledged I would catch up to watch this movie. I did. In the last three weeks, I watched all the Creed films. I also did a recap of all the Rocky films. The podcast I listen to does a really good job of watching the Rockies. They go in for like 40 minutes on every film and they, they touch on every detail, which is great because um, you get to hear about, but um, so I, I really enjoyed the Creed films and mm-hmm. it's been kind of a, 
uh, it's nostalgia peeking pieces from Rocky and then through the new lens of the new character of Adonis Creed, which is, you know, the, 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 the bastard child of, of uh, Apollo and about his relationship basically being rescued from bad trouble by yep. Felicia Rashad, who is the wife of Apollo Creed, uh, yep. which fun fact, she did not play uh, Apollo's no, wife. She did not. In the movie. No, because at that time she was on the, in real life, she was on the Cosby show. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I am, I'm pinioned both by, Creed three and scream six in that what we should have done was shotgun at least the previous film because April and I were sitting in scream. Like, I don't remember anything about the last movie at all. Um, no, I mean, you know, and they catch you up. They're like, well, you know, and Jack Quaid was in it. I'm like, Oh, I love Jack Quaid. Oh, now I remember he was the killer and blah, blah, blah. And his girlfriend, this thing and that thing. So yeah. So I get it now, but yeah. What's her yeah. name? Goth Mia goth or something. No, what was, oh, her God, was she, was she in that as well? Cause she was in that no, movie. I mean, she, was she wasn't movie. She was in that movie X that I talked about. And that was, yeah. ooh, that was exactly yeah. that. But yeah, yeah with, so, with, with, with Creed three, I was, I was drawing a blank on some of the details. I know, I knew that, you know, uh, Tessa Thompson was his girlfriend slash wife, but this this did a time jump from 2015 to now where he had retired and he had a child. I don't know. I couldn't remember if he did. He have a child in the second one. Yeah, was second the movie. Yeah. They got married. They uh, they had the baby. They found that the baby was a uh, hard of hearing or well, a deaf. See. And they did that. Yeah, the baby was a, a, essentially like a one year old in that movie. Well, and then okay, I was going to say. And like I said, and I said to you, I said that it was kind of trope city, this movie, because again, what you just described in Creed 2, that was Rocky 2, because he and Adrian settled down. The baby was born prematurely, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then Rocky was like, I got to make my comeback. And he goes, and then he defeats, and then he defeats him. And then essentially, this was also like Rocky 5, where there was a young upstart from the streets. There wasn't close, there wasn't the family connection there, but Rocky had mentored this kid who then wanted to take him down. And, you know, Rocky had to come back and fight for or you know fight for it or and then we had elements of rocky four where he was flipping the tire and he was punching a tree and he was pulling an airplane with chains which i thought was awesome um it just the whole kind of you know kind of like with cocaine bear which was the other movie i forgot to mention that we saw earlier in the week just by the time we got to the third act i was like i just felt like they were kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall um where certainly the first you know, two thirds of, of Creed three, there was a lot of emotional connection. I actually really enjoyed the ending. Obviously the predictability was that yes, he was going to win, even though he came out of retirement, he was going to beat his nemesis, which was Kang the conqueror. But at the end of it, you know what they made up, which I thought was awesome. I thought that that was nice. You don't necessarily expect that didn't necessarily happen in the Rocky movies, though Apollo and Rocky became pals, but it took three movies for that to happen and for, you know, Mr. T to come along and he elbowed Mickey and Mickey fell down and died. And then he was like, we're going to get him. So that was, that was Rocky three. Um, but yeah, it was just, it, it did feel, feel kind of troparama by the end we got to create that's every rocky film since number two. But again, that's also, that's also very true. And, and I do, Enjoy the Rocky films. The first one was Dynamite. The second one I thought sucked. The third one was Mr. T. So what can you say? The fourth one is a, a classic of the 80s. It's more montage than movie. Yeah. Quite honestly. And, it's yeah, like 30 and, minutes of montages. <laughs> and then the, the fifth one is is a nice 
caveat to it. And then they did the sequel. You never knew you needed with Rocky Balboa, which was nice and bittersweet and, and told, you know, Rocky's it legitimized Rocky essentially Very made true. it like, actually like it's not a gimmick movie anymore. It's not like, Oh, we've got to come up with the next big trope or something like that. Right. Um, I, I did really like Creed three because it, it was a different take on it. Like a friend from the very beginning versus like um, where imagine that like fighting one of your childhood friends. Ted, you and me, let's go. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Um, and it was dealing with trauma and that's something the, the Rocky films never dealt right. with trauma. It was just like, I can punch my way out of my problems. He just kept going. He just, yeah. well, you know, the, the fifth one was not, not bad with that kind of emotional introspective, the fifth Rocky movie. And I know you said, Oh, I don't think I saw that one. Cause it was, a, he was Rocky because of Paulie. Of course they lost all their fortune and they ended up yeah. back in the old neighborhood. And then he ended up taking in this kid and training him and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually he turns on Rocky and then that's the end of the film. Um, and that, that was, you know, and it dealt with Rocky's relationship with the son who was his real life son, who unfortunately died at a very young age. Um, that, that film from an emotional standpoint, that one in Rocky, Balboa, which is the sixth one where his son becomes, um, is it Vito Vermiglia? The guy who was in La not the yeah, last Milo, Li no, Milo, the, for, this, yeah. The story this of us, not the last Heroes. of us. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I would say of the Rockies, go one and then jump to five and six. And yeah, I, I, I found this to be the weakest of the Creed films because I love the first one probably because of the connection with Rocky. The second one, he was really dealing, you know, he fought the son of Drago, who you saw in this film, they became friends. But it was, and again, I'm spitballing off of movies I've not seen in a long time, but that one really saw him dealing with his past and his legacy that he didn't really know was his because he was an illegitimate son of Apollo Creed. And yeah, I just... Yeah, like I said, for two-thirds of Rocky Three, I feel like they really, they had me. And, and in the last act, it was kind of like... Trope city. It was more, it was more trope than movie in the third act. I think it did something that many of the Rockies haven't done. So I think it was a different resolution than you had because, um, you know, right. it, it, it yeah. was it was a different take and it was yeah. a different. I think they did some different filming because Michael yeah. G. Jordan actually filmed this. Um, right. I thought they, right. they did right. some great things to make the fight different, which was like putting them almost in a daydream sequence where it's like the the the, right. the, yeah. the way it was, was like was a cage. Yeah. yeah. So it was and he, and Michael B. Jordan's inspired by anime and different things like that where you know uh ryan coogler did the first two films i believe and but he didn't do right. this one um and, and that, that was a great connection between this and it was funny one of the songs drops a wakanda reference yeah. mm -hmm. and of course he he was uh killmonger yeah. and then you have obviously uh jonathan majors who is kang so this was yeah more marvelly particularly in that regard so yeah. Uh, but yeah um and and I think the other part that is um, that was interesting with this too was, um, you know, you had Michael B. Jordan trying to step away and and being successful and doing all these things. Where yeah. Rocky was never he could never continue success. He consistently fumbled his way to right, you know, ruin. And then uh, right. this movie had no Rocky in it either. And right. that is a big part of that is. Um, the fact that Rocky does like uh, Sylvester Stallone doesn't own the rights to Rocky. That's Erwin Winkler or whatever, the producer guy. Oh, and they right, yeah. are fighting each other. And that's why Rocky's not in this. And they're apparently going to make a Creed verse. It's very literally. funky. But, yeah, I like this. I yeah. like this movie a lot. I like this series. It's really cool. I would yeah. say the Creed movies overall 
had better quality control than the Rocky films. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, Rocky was so wild, wild west because the whole thing was it was Stallone's project in the beginning. He was broke when he made it. He negotiated that he wanted to write and star in it because the studio didn't want him. And it was the thing that launched his career. Um, so, yeah, that would be something listeners, I would say, dig into the history. Go to Wikipedia and read um, Sylvester Stallone's page yeah. in the Rocky section. It's 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 pretty astonishing. Um, but anyway, let's move on and talk about Six Ream, Six Cream, Six Cream. Sounds like a donut. We all scream for six cream. Yes. Um, yeah. So scream is essentially been around from the beginning of time. Uh, yes. I believe in when I was Which in college, the first movie the launched nineties, 1996. Yeah, exactly. Yes. When I was in college, I had, I take out the movie poster or movie page from a magazine of scream, put it on my wall and said, I am so excited for this because we were in this mode where Wes Craven came back to film to do a new franchise. Also Kevin right. Williamson, who is behind Dawson's Creek and all of those right. shows was, was doing the writing. That so, was one. Th- that yeah. was one thing I remarked to April as the credits were rolling. I'm like, Kevin Williamson. He didn't. Unlike Josh Whedon, he didn't get me tooed. Like he's still a good guy, right? Like he's still working and doing stuff. Or, Absolutely. Yep. He does yeah, a lot of different projects. Yeah. And, but he but he was writing like writing teenagers in a very specific way. Uh, right. and, and then and just created this cool like riff on serial killers. And right. so we've had all these different films. They've had you know the original crew. Then we had some new people brought in and Scream Five specifically which was the last one, which, um, and the cool thing about Scream as a franchise is it takes the pieces from prior films and builds on it, but it's not a film series that's looking forward. It's always looking back and bringing those things in. So your point, Tara, like, I don't remember what happened here, but you know, somebody from the past is always going to be part of the problem. Right. It was film. Right. And we were really struggling because Scream 4 uh, starred Hayden Pantier from Heroes, mm-hmm. and they filmed it right here in Michigan. I, like, really don't remember a damn thing about it. I think Mary McDonnell, uh, Laura Roslin from BSG, was one of the stars of that film. Absolutely don't remember anything else about it, other than they filmed it in Pontiac, Michigan. Um, th- those are my three bits. But she's like, I was, well, and now I'm with the, I'm grown, and I'm with the FBI, and it stabbed me or whatever. And then there, Dermot Mulrooney was the, the was a cop in this. And I, I didn't figure out the twist until the end. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just dumb. I, I thought it was going to be the boy, the boy uh, that was brought in right. as the roommate. I thought That's he was going to be the guy. Right. Or, you know, and typically it's a love, it's 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 typically it's a um, love love interest it's killer and they talk about that which is great yeah. we've got this they yeah. were talking about the rules great and where they're at with the rules, you know, yeah. jamie kennedy set the stage his now his essentially his niece and nephew have right. now taken over that role the female geek has talked about the rules right. and how it's changed again in this movie right. and they talk about the requill and how no one is safe and they talk about the motivation who could kill them so i'm glad that he went back to that just to say where we're at now with with horror because horror seems to be one of those uh genres where um everything old is new again they bring back things right. they can reinvent them and it's really uh really uh effective now in this movie charlie they decided to go to the big city, which we really haven't had before. And that's kind of right. scary. True, true. And it was, yeah, a lot of red herrings in the beginning. You saw uh, a delightful uh, Samara Weaving was the first victim. Spoilers, by the way. Whoops, we always forget that. Um, and But then you saw the uh, the kid who plays Flash Thompson in the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies was the killer. He gets whacked, and then you're just kind of going through it all. And it ends up in that this whole thing is orchestrated by 
the family of Jack Quaid's character from the previous film, who has a big museum of, you know, all of the props. So going all the way back to the fact that the sisters who are at the core of this film are the illegitimate children of Skeet Ulrich's original scream serial killer guy. Um, and you know, again, a lot of fun tropes in April and I, maybe it's because April and I do a bad movies podcast now that even if we're in a theater and there's not many people around, we'll just, we'll just be riffing to each other. So we, we had some, we had Charlie, some you do that life. in every film, regardless of how many people there. It's always, I know. you're like, you're like Robert De Niro smoking the cigar in Cape Fear. <laughs> Kick, I'm kicking the back of somebody. No, we, yeah. we were having a good, so this was, this was delightful, but it wasn't serious where Creed was a little bit, obviously a little bit more serious. So yeah. Um, yeah, but no, it was a good time. And uh, yeah, what do you think? I mean, they they always kind of leave the door. I mean, the, the door is always open. This will not be the end of the film. And again, they could do a soft reboot um, of this as well. You had the uh, near, near death of Courtney Cox's character of Gail Weathers, which I love the throwaway line at the end. Hey, I called the hospital and these two characters are fine. And Gail was, Gail was one of them. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was great. and Sydney was not in this because Nev Campbell apparently was not going to get paid what she wanted. So that's oh, why she'll, so be, she'll be back. That'll well, be the they, seventh one. Yeah, this yeah, movie exactly. did very well. Yeah, but um, yeah. I would say I had a couple observations on this really quickly. Um, the most ridiculous thing in this film is always the fact that the scream ghost face gets the crap beat out of them. Right. Frying the, pan to the face. They're up right. in two seconds. Right. Um, and, and when you see the, them unmasked, which you do in this, not a single mark on nope. any of them. Unless they have yeah. a lot of makeup on or something, yeah. but there's like no bruises. I mean, they would yeah. be like. Yeah, yeah, someone who takes a frying pan to the face or they fell and landed on a table or they, they – well, at least Dermot Mulroney's character in the end when he falls from the balcony it, and lands yeah. on that table, he's all scarred up and stuff. But yeah, yikes. Or, oh, um, my goodness. Or they're, or they're ridiculously strong, which I'm like right. – you're just right. beating the crap out of people. And, yeah, and one of them is a you know 120 pound young female. I don't really think that she could oh. pick somebody up and choke them. Or, or the boy looked at skinny Sam. I mean, he yeah, looked exactly. skinny too. Um, and the other part was the car- stabbing people. Apparently, is like no big deal. Like the 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 geek uh, the geek friend um, got, she got, got stabbed, stabbed on the subway. so badly, and she's just walking around at the end with just a bandage. I'm like what? Right. And then her girlfriend earlier on got stabbed and twisted the knife so her guts were there, but. She she was still I don't even know how she was she was still leaking she's like I'm still gonna try to make it and then she falls out of a window yeah. because the ghost face yeah. uh, jostles jostles the uh, yeah. the ladder so anyway well um, last last thing end credits yeah. so there is an end credits for this film oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and Once again, we already said spoiler. So if you're here, fast forward if you want to listen to it. Uh, We'll get to the next segment. Um, We I get to the end credits. It's at the very end, and you get the geek girl saying. Uh, and the last observation is not everybody and not every movie needs an end credit sequence. Boom. Done. It's Todd. You talk about it literally almost every episode. It's, it's, it's Todd's now very cold take that he hates. No, it's, I think it's everybody's <laughs> take now that they are potentially worthless these days because they're in everything and everybody Pretty gets much. one. They're like, yeah, you're right. Well, you know, that flies in the face of my assertion of the old times and everybody stinks that if everybody stinks, nobody stinks. Yeah. So if everybody, everybody, blame Ferris everybody, Bueller. Yeah, everybody, if every movie's got a stinger, no movie's got a stinger. Yeah, it's Ferris Bueller real. said, go home, go away. He go already away. He predicted this how many years ago? Go away, stop exactly. watching the movie. 
40 something years ago. All right. Well, with that, the, it's time to leave the geek easy. We're not paying a tip. We might not even pay the bill. But I, what I will do, I'll get out my Air Qantas app. It's time to get down to the land down under the mutants await for a quick run through about sequels and requels. Let's go. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome. Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week, uh, based on the two movies we just talked about, I thought it was time to talk about the state of the requel. Uh, for everyone who doesn't know what a requel is, essentially, it's not a sequel because you're essentially setting, resetting the stage with a new core set of characters in a franchise. Um it's going to call have callbacks, and some of those people from the original may be back in, but you're essentially modernizing a, a franchise based on right. what's going on and giving it new blood uh, rather than doing the same thing for the seventh time. Uh, and Charlie, I even mentioned this. They're doing with TV shows now. Um, right, big and, time. Yeah, I mean, Star Trek was probably the first one that did it with uh, The Next Generation. It essentially says, we're going to take the foundation of, of Star Trek and we're going to move it forward with a new set of core characters, but have callbacks to the past. Right. Right. And, it, and it's interesting, even on the cruise, Denise Crosby, who was only in that first season of, of uh, TNG as uh, Tasha Yar, uh, was talking some of the absolute worst episodes of TNG were in that first 10 to 15 episode block and uh, of that first season. And she said, well, we had all the same writers uh, as TOS. And that was all they really knew how to do was that kind of stuff, uh, which is why you got, you know, the, the planet, the Africa planet, which was like episode two or three or the planet of all all the naked people where Wesley steps on the flowers and then they want to kill him. It was just, hopefully you've never seen those episodes, Todd, and I hope you never do. Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've talked about that Africa planet episode on, on code 47 more than once, but um, yeah, yikes, big time. Um, so yeah. And, but you know, extending the metaphor. Yeah. With, with, with TOS, we had a whole new core group of characters, but it was set in the star Trek universe. And it led to one of the first big franchises of spinoffs, uh, that you saw was really ongoing, but even in the modern day in the sitcom world, we're getting more of that. The new, the new night court is an example. I know you and John aren't nuts about the new night court. It's not, it's not groundbreaking, but th there's still a chuckle here and there. Um, sure. But with that, it's the same. It's the same setting, literally, uh, practically the same sets, just brighter and painted. Um, you have a returning character, and then you have a child of one of the original characters from the show, um, and that's about it. They haven't done. Um, bringing in any legacy characters, but it, there's still a good chance that that could happen if the show is a success. I don't know if that show is a success. It's a it's an oh, it has. Program. It's been it's been resigned uh, for the next season. Oh, so. okay. Well, then yeah. you can count on seeing. And again, you had in that show, you have two of the leads who have passed away. Um, you have one of the leads who is a main character on the show currently. It'd be um, Dan Fielding, John Larroquette's character, and I believe that um, Marsha Warfield and Richard Mull are still alive. I think. Yes, potentially. So I, I would bet dollars to donuts that you'll you'll end up seeing them. Um, I think that shows success. I think it's fun. One that was not for me was the new Quantum Leap. Todd, I don't know if you've watched any more of it. I um, gave up very early on this show. Uh, and, I and just I, felt like it doesn't feel like a good show. That was the and, first problem. Like, mm. And I really didn't expect to. I expected to love it because not only do I love Quantum Leap, 
so much that I um I mean Missy and I are gonna be doing an episode of of our Patreon, the Patreon segment, the Facts Geek Life, right after we wrap up here, where we're talking about the first several episodes of Quantum Leap, which is a show that you and I have talked about. It's very evergreen. People still love it um because it really holds up. But the new uh the the new series was a similar setting, um, but they were splitting their time between portraying modern day and storylines that are happening in the modern day and a big mystery. And you obviously you have a new leaper, but you have some heritage actors that can't, you have a heritage character portrayed by a new actor that was in the role of Ernie Hudson. Um, you had a return of uh, Susan Dial, who played the wife of Al Calavici, who is the late, I'm going to draw a blank on his name, Dean Stockwell, who was one of the two main characters in the original series and the promise that you would never see Scott Bakula. Oh, I'm not, I'm not coming back. I'm not involved. Um, but if that show is successful again, I just get the feeling that he's going to show up. Um, and I don't know if that show is successful, but for me, no interest. I just, I felt like they really didn't click it. I mean, the very first episode, he was in the mid 1980s and he, he, uh, leapt into a guy sitting in a parked, van and he got out of the van and looked around and it was very obviously the new york city set on the universal backlot and he looked around and he was in philadelphia saw a poster for live aid saw two people in very 80s clothes walking past with a walkman trading cassette tapes he looked at a movie poster and goonies was playing or something it was just like it was it was their time travel is just way too on the nose um and you know they changed some of the core concepts he's not just leaping in his lifetime he's leaping whenever so it didn't stick to the things that i thought really made the show click you know so anyway there we go that's my ramble <laughs> yeah I, I mean and and i watched it i'm like this just doesn't feel like a good show so yeah right good writing is key to anything succeeding this seems like more like an nbc show like chicago hope but we've got it in like uh you know quantum leap it's just it's just right. too formulaic it's it just doesn't a lot of things don't make sense it's it's 90 it's 60 minutes of like problem of the week and it just feels like an old throwback rather than right. moving it forward and being smarter um so yeah so we do have some of these that i mean we're, we're getting more and more of these like how i met your father which is funny because it's oh, not like God. that original show was that old to begin with um right. and and we're and that i don't know if there's going to be a shorter window when these things happen when you get a new core cast of characters and it's different than a spin-off because that's another thing people would say well it sounds like a spin-off like no spin-offs are typically in line with right. the regular show it's like right. ha- it's like the happening at the same time it's not like yeah, um, yeah deep space nine voyager it's because yeah. it, you're not going to call frazier a requel it is a spin-off taking that character doing something different other people may right. show up but it's it's in that same timeline it's not like a leap forward or something like that um and uh, you know with with the requels we it's kind of a hard one what is a requel what is just a sequel it's harder to say and i would say like the next the the halloween films we got in 2018 is a requel because essentially ignored the prior sequels yeah it completely wiped out all continuity post 1978 which was the first film they simply said and you know and they they paid it a little homage they were like yeah you know there were stories for years that michael myers was laurie strode's brother and he did this thing and he did that thing but they were all stories didn't really happen um so yeah uh, and it's not a reboot either because you're not saying you're not starting from scratch. So you're right. taking those things, moving it forward with typically, like I said, new new characters and Laurie Strode's kids. So at right. least you can have something to uh, start and kind of have a new view, you know, a new view through those eyes uh, and right. can go from that perspective. So um, that would be one of them. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones we've had. Um, 
Scream obviously is a big one. It's been successful. Uh, it, it it's done the right thing, which is it takes the hallmarks, right. reincorporates them, and then builds on the legacy, which is great. But right. it always it always brings in new opportunities to play with what's new in our time that we can have uh right. well, social media f- cell phones all these right. other things that didn't right. exist at the time which complicate storytelling at times but right. also can give you some options to you know uh get creative with 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 the approach you want to have um so you know requels we we also had matrix Revolution, Ooh, no. Resurrections. That movie was bad. It was just a bad film. Bad. Like I said, it goes back to good writing. And right, exactly. Yeah, and not. And again, I was never the biggest uh, fan of the Matrix in general, but that film really broke serious ground. It was right at the time when CGI was becoming a great part of storytelling, and they really did a lot of pretty essential world world building in that film. But yeah, they're bringing it back around and just saying, well, here's the thing you like and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, it was just, it was a bad script, you know, not, not differently acted than any of the other films. It's just not a great story that was able to, you know, that the actors could rise above because we know you can put some of the best actors in absolutely anything and it could turn into the star Wars prequels. You know what I mean? If there's bad direction and a bad story. So, yeah. um, um, well, and then top gun Maverick, same thing there. That's a requel because right. it is introducing a lot of new characters. It's moving the story forward. Uh, but it's essentially putting the stage to say, what do you do right. when Maverick can't retell a story for the 18th time? Right. And it was, yeah. And, and, and that was an an even more interesting spin because even though the story was called Top Gun and it was, it took place within that setting, it wasn't a retelling of the first film where it was Top Gun school. It was, um, I've assembled a crack team of the best pilots in the Navy to take on this crazy mission against uh, an adversary that we can't name because we want to be able to market the film in China. Uh, and um, and he was basically going to school them in being a maverick. So really, they, there you go. There's the title of the film. Um, so it really subverted your expectations of what you would walk back and you know, look at something which I think is one of the worst requels that we've seen, certainly in the last decade, which I mention all the time, is uh, Independence Day resurgence. You know, you took um, no elements that made the first film fun or exciting, um, and you just told a very bland story of now the the aliens are back, but they're bigger and better and uglier, and uh, we, you know, here's some other stuff you didn't know, that there's alien tech all over the world, and blah, 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 and here's Jeff Goldblum's character, and now he has an ex-girlfriend, and we recast the president's daughter, and the president's daughter is all feeble, and they try to bring him back to, to make another rousing speech, and it really sucks. It's just everything about that movie was god-awful, and then at the very end of it, they do what my uh what the guys on the weekly planet call start your engines which is i'm going to throw a line in there that's going to set up the sequel and they were like let, we're, let's go kick some alien ass we're gonna go fight him in berber but the movie was a bomb and you'll never see it again hopefully you know what i mean so yeah i love the you know when something ends with a uh you know a very much a start your engines kind of moment um which i think they tried to do with the universal monster series where they did the new mummy and they were trying to manufacture a cinematic universe out of it that kind of makes me chuckle and it's it's always the thing that i consider the most telling which is people speaking with their wallets and saying yeah this is crap we're not going to go see it or the early buzz is so flat that it that it's just doa yeah, you know. um, and, and quite honestly, the Fast and Furious films did this. They did a requel because they did the Tokyo Drift. That You're didn't right. do anything, but it kind of said, let's reset the stage and you see where that went, basically bring right. back the, the main characters, but also then bring in all these 
people to reinvigorate the, the series. And now it's, you know, exactly. <laughs> but another one that I wanted to bring in was the Jurassic world movies. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause yeah, they did, they did a serious pivot on that. Cause you had, you had three films, you know, in, in from 93 to Oh one, which was, we've got an Island with dinosaurs and we think this could work out and it didn't work out. But then the second two films were a spinoff from, well, it didn't work out, but the dinosaurs are still out there and we need them for some reason or poachers want them. Or my kid got lost on the Island and we need, you know, Alan Grant to go rescue him. And then it was over. And then, you know, 15 years go by and we find out that in the world of Jurassic Park, they got shit figured out and they built an amusement park around it. And it's on the same island. But then, much like with all the first films, everything goes wrong and people are dying. And then the other two films were subsequently about the fallout because at the end of the second film, dinosaurs are on the mainland and now they're a part of life everywhere because they've traveled everywhere. And... um uh, yeah, that third film came out last summer. What was it? It was the Jurassic World. Was it Dominion? I'm going to say. Uh, sure. I've and, not seen any uh, of them. Yeah, it was Dominion. They, you know, yeah. they stuck they stuck together the legacy characters with the new characters, and nobody gave a shit. It just it just did not. It for me, it just did not click. Uh, apparently, that movie was all about like big insects at the end or something like that, right? Yeah, it was. It was a big corporation trying to manufacture a food shortage crisis to make money. So it was mm-hmm. the evil villain. Um, yeah, that it was. Yeah, because you didn't see it. it was part of our movie challenge, but I know you didn't see it. Um, and yeah, bro, not at all. Just yeah, no. you missed not. No, you missed don't nothing. need to see it. Don't need to yeah. see it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I think it absolutely underwhelmed at the box office for the exact same reason. So yeah. Yeah, and, and I'll give you a couple more examples. I mean, you could say the Star Wars The Force Awakens is a requel. New yeah. cast of characters brought forward. Um, and that's been a hallmark of Star Wars, right? It's just like, take the past, bring in new characters, always touch back to the past. So we've mm-hmm. had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Ghostbusters most recent Afterlife, that is oh, a requel. Yeah, and, and they nailed it where where they tried to reboot it in 2016 and people were pissing themselves over it. Because, oh, my God, they're women. Ooh, how incredible. You know, it's just it just wasn't it wasn't well, well, well written. And it was also no. basically a reboot. So basically saying, ignore right. those other things. We don't care about those. But we'll bring back the heritage characters and weird cameos where they're not playing themselves. It's right. Like, exactly. Ish. Yeah, it was a big it was a big flopperoo. So yeah. anyway, um, so what do you think to wrap this up? What do you think? Is this going to be something we're going to continue to see moving forward? I would imagine just because well, Picard, Charlie, you're loving yeah. Picard finally. And that's a recall right there, too. And that took some time because, again, yeah. in particular, that that second season of it. And, y- yes, there are people out there who enjoy it, but certainly the way we talked about it on Code is that they were just throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what stuck and nothing did. Um, I know I'm enjoying this current season. I think Kay and Peter over on Code are a little iffy on it. But, oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, just because they like, really well, loved really- it. I, I'm I'm liking it, too. And I'm thinking, well, right. You know, and then people are bitching. Oh, Picard dropped an F-bomb last week. He's an old man. Get over it. You know what? <laughs> It was just it's 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 a lot more real and uh, you're getting new characters and changes in characters that I think are great. I think seven of nine is great on that show. I'm loving my new buddy, you know, the guy who remarried April and I, Mr. Todd Stashwick. Uh, I'm loving him as Captain Shaw on that show. And they're hopefully setting some things up that maybe characters will spin off into a new show because we've been talking about how Star Trek, you know, needs to look to the next program. And if they're going to continue now in this early 25th century timeline, you would imagine they'd want to do it with some characters that they've spent some time, you know, kind of cultivating and captain Shaw would totally be one of them. That's why I'm wearing his shirt. USS Titan. Yep. But anyway, 
Yeah, it's so it's I think the key and my key takeaway from requels is I think they're an awesome way to keep a franchise alive with fresh perspective and bring a new audience. Um, but once again, it all comes down to writing. Half the ones that fail is because they're written poorly. It's all fan service, and it's not really doing anything to move the franchise forward creatively. Right. Um, and so when you can nail that, it makes people, it resonates with people. Right, um, like, like with Top Gun, Maverick, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, they, yeah, they well, took, we'll, yeah. Yeah, we'll see if the new Transformers uh, requel works or if it doesn't. Yeah. Hopefully it's was, better. Yeah. That was when April said, is this supposed to be spun off a of Bumblebee? I said, I think We don't so. know. Yeah. Nobody knows. <laughs> I think it might be, um, but it's not supposed to be spun off the original. But anyway, uh, yes, we shall see. Yeah, Todd, it won't be long at all that the summer movie wager will be upon us. The Prince Shizor trophy will be up for grabs. So we'll have to see if, uh, you know, Indiana Jones versus Guardians 3 versus your Transformers movie, what's, what's going to be the king? We shall see. So that yeah. is it for the episode. It, you know, this is like the reunion episode for Charlie and I. We haven't done this in you know two, two to three weeks. It's oh been the longest gap I think since we've we've been on we've since we've done re- weekly again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, I would say we'll never do it again, but I'll be gone again to Vegas in the summertime, and then we're doing the cruise. Well, I'm, again in, I'm in Europe in oh, a couple weeks. So I know, and when when Todd's not running the stick, there's no show because it's Todd's show, and I'm I'm merely his clapping monkey. But anyway, friends, thank you, thank you as always uh, for joining us, Todd. Where do people find you out there on the web? Uh, at T Oxtra on Twitter for my personal takes, and then uh, check out the, at Secret Friends U, secretfriendsunite.com, and Patreon.com/slash/SecretFriendsUnite. Totally awesome. Well, you can find me out there uh, mostly on Twitter at the C3. Go ahead and spell it out. My lovely wife and I, April, we run the USS Grand Petoskey, one of the largest chapters of the International Star Trek Fan Club in the world. If you live in Michigan or even if you live in Eastern Canada, because I do manage the region, which includes that spot, and you're a trekker listening to the sound of my voice, want more information, please at me or visit USS Grand Petoskey at that address on the web. So that's it for us. Friends, once again, thanks for coming in. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. Go for it. Which is one of the Rocky-like things. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.